Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Welcome to week two of 14, where we are tapping into a conversation of origins. Where do we come from? Why are we here? What are the, the foundations of life to the full for us, uh, for our, our kids, for our families, for, for everyone? Well, it was several years back when my firstborn, Josh, he and I were out on our dirt bikes. It was just going to be a great day. This, this was going to be full of an adventure and, and, and father-son time and meaning and fun. It didn't. It didn't end so well. <laughs> uh, I, I wiped out. I'll just say it like it is. I wiped out. I was probably doing 45 miles an hour. I was really trying to avoid a collision. And I, I slid the bike and then I kinked the, the front tire wrong. And I like a catapult just over the bars and slammed into the ground. It, I, I about lost consciousness. And that, the fracture of my hand took like a, a year before I could use it without pain. And, and I hate pain. I hate suffering. How many of you? Just, you'd raise your hand. I, I don't know if, if, if you're at a campus or if you're, if, if you're, if you're at 12 Stone Home, if, if you're part of our online committee, you raise your hand. How many of you hate suffering? You put your hand up, look around. Who doesn't have their hand up? Come on now. I, I hate suffering. And yet, we all got a litany of sufferings. You got yours, I got mine. I mean, I can go back and say, you know, my, one of my parents... Marriage fell apart during my elementary years and um, eventually uh, divorced in my middle school years. I mean, a home without peace uh, on a kid, that's suffering. Feeling like you're picking between your mom and your dad, that's just <sighs> suffering. I remember at 16, my best friend, his dad bought him a a, a car, a 1965 red Mustang. I love cars. I love that car. I wanted that car, uh, but we were poor. You know, envy, coveting, has its own kind of suffering, doesn't it? You know, his dad made better decisions than mine, and you know, sometimes it's it's just hard not to be mad at the world. Now you go off in career and you discover, well, the, the world isn't intending to make your dreams come together easily. If you don't learn how to suffer through the discipline of climbing uphill, you never get to a mountaintop. And then there's the suffering that's quietly inside, insecurities and fears and anxieties and and then, the, and then the, the big stuff like disease or death. I mean, like my roommate in college after we graduated, uh, two weeks before his wedding, he died in a tragic accident. I just wept. You know, I was suffering. My mom got cancer at the end of her 40s, and 
died way too early in her 50, early 50s. My brother, 41, died in a motorcycle accident. Suffering. I mean, how, how many of you have ever lost someone you love? Just put your hand up. You say, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How do you, how do you escape that? Interesting, isn't it? I mean, why is there suffering? That's the question of the day. Why, why, why do we suffer? Because we're all asked the question, and it's a legit question. We, we come off from last week and Genesis 1 and 2 and, and how a good God created a good world and everything's good. And hey, if everything's good, then how come it's not all good? How come there's disease and suffering and loss and setback and sorrow? Legit question. And the answer is going to come in Genesis chapter 3, where we're going today. And know this, if you don't understand Genesis 3, then the rest of creation and who God is and faith and life and eternity will not make sense. In fact, the whole of your life won't make sense. You got to understand this, Genesis 3, why we suffer. We're going to take a fresh look at it. And we're just going to walk through it methodically, endeavor to understand it today. And there's breakthroughs for us here in 2022. And, and part of the breakthrough that we're encouraging for dads, and, 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 and particularly dads uh, leading their household, uh, single moms, fam parents, families, to to change some things in 2022 and make time to breathe life spiritually into your family. Have a weekly family devotional time. We're, we're encouraging you. We're making available the, the Jesus Storybook Bible. You know, we're starting right here and taking the first of 14 lessons and unpacking them at an adult level, but you get to bring them into the life of your family. And we're giving those out at the campuses. But hey, if you're, if you're online or 12 Stone Home and part of the online community, you just go to Amazon. It's 11 bucks. I mean, I bought my own. By, by the way, just sidebar, I'm reading through this. This is my first time to actually read through it. You know, Jason has used this with his, his, his kids. And my like, wow, this is... This is meaningful. I mean, if you're single, 11 bucks, go get one. Walk through it. You got an empty nester like I am? Get, go get one. See, there are things that God will awaken about our origins, our foundations. And the next question we tend to ask is, why do we suffer? So let's go to the book. Let's, let's go to the next, the terrible lie. Adam and Eve lose everything from Genesis 3. Now, Adam and Eve lived happily together in their beautiful new home, and everything was perfect for a while until the day when everything went wrong. God had a horrible enemy. His name was Satan. Satan had once been the most beautiful angel, but he didn't want to be just an angel. He wanted to be God. He grew proud and evil and full of hate. And God had to send them out of heaven. Satan was seething with anger and looking for a way to hurt God. He wanted to stop God's plan, stop the love story right there. So he disguised himself as a snake and waited in the garden. Now God had given Adam and Eve only one rule. Don't eat the fruit of that tree, God told them. Because if you do, 
You'll think you know everything. You'll stop trusting me. And then death and sadness and tears will come. Hmm. So let's get to the question. Why do we suffer? Let's get right to the answer. Sin, evil brings suffering. Look at Genesis 2, 16 to 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this is a conversation about good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will surely die. You're going to bring suffering. Sin brings suffering. It brings disease and loss and sorrow and setback and ultimately death. Why? Well, because you got to know how things work. If you've, ever driven, if you've ever driven a car, what happens when you push the brake pedal? Well, you know the answer. The car, car stops. Why? But why does it stop when you put the brake, push the brake pedal? Because that was what it's designed to do. What happens when you push the accelerator, the gas pedal? Well, the, the car goes. Why? Because that's what it's designed to do. You have to know how it works, how it's designed. If you misapply the brake or the gas pedal, well, you, you wreck the car. And when you wreck, you bring suffering on yourself and others. It's, it's really no more complicated than that. In, in like manner, the point being it's user error. There's nothing wrong with the car if you misapply the pedals. But let me say it this way. Have you ever got mad at your phone for doing exactly what it's designed to do? I don't know if you've ever done this, but here's, here's what I mean. Let me make my point. Have, have you ever misspelled and then just said stupid phone? Now, now, is it really stupid phone? I mean, when I say you stupid phone, what I really mean is I hit the wrong letter. I can't spell or I can't hit the right letter. And it's doing exactly what it's designed to do. This is user error. You ever send a, a text you didn't really want to send yet? You weren't ready? And you say, I've said, you stupid phone. Is it really stupid phone? No, it's stupid me. I did this. It's user error. Nothing wrong with phone. Really what we're to learn here is there's user error. See, a good God created us as good. In a good world for a good life. And it was all good until user error. That's what brings us into Genesis chapter 3. So, if you don't disobey how things work, you have a good life. Ah, so let's sit back but lean in and get into Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. Huh. Remember last week, we gave you this imagery, this picture of Scripture having cross-references. And there was like nearly 64,000 cross-references. So that when you get in Scripture, you get on one side in Genesis. And these cross-references back and forth are throughout the whole Bible. And, and the point being is that what you read in Genesis about Satan, the evil one, is cross-referenced all through Scripture. So we know who Satan was. By the time you get to Revelation, the last book of the Bible, chapter 12, chapter 20... It describes him as the serpent, the one who deceived. 
See, this whole story from beginning to end is telling us of our origins. It's also explaining why we suffer. It's also explaining the foundations of a full life and what undoes us when we are deceived, seeking to understand good versus evil. And so much is on the line. So we have an enemy, a real enemy. And the scripture goes on. So he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, know this, Satan misquotes God to mislead Eve, to mislead Adam. He still does that to mislead you and I. She responds. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. Ready? Ready? And you must not touch it or you will die. Another misquote. God didn't say, if you touch it, you will die. Not only did Satan misrepresent God, but now Eve is misquoting and misrepresenting God. And you think, well, what's the big deal? How did they get this and do not touch or you'll surely die? But I don't know. Did Adam say it that way to Eve in order to add more severity and caution? Did Eve kind of make it up? Did they make it up together? Did they decide we're going to be extra cautious and not even touch the tree, which may not be a bad idea. But when you quote God, don't put on God what he never said. Okay, what's the big deal? Well, because it's not true. God didn't say that. And here's why it's risky, because it's a lie. Hang on. Hang on. Because when you quote God and then test him and it doesn't prove true, you you might be confused. Like, what if Eve, misquoting God, said, and if you touch it, you will surely die, which God never said. And what if in that little interaction with Satan, who indwelt the serpent, (laughs) what if she touched the fruit? And discovered that made no difference. I didn't die. I didn't feel different. Hey, maybe if God's lying about the touching, he's lying about the tasting. It's high risk when you misquote God. Because you confuse the truth and what's going on in this temptation for good and evil. So where are you misquoting God and believing things that aren't true? Let's stay in the conversation. Genesis 3. The story continues. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, if you don't get this, the rest of origins, the rest of God's story is never going to make sense. You're not even going to understand your life. This right here is where it turns. There is good and evil. There is good and evil. (laughs) There is an enemy. And you're in this story. Listen, this isn't God's story and Satan's story, and you're like a third party. This idea that we're a third party, we're independent, we're not involved. Hey, I'm not going to take sides. I'm not going to take sides with God. I'm not going to take sides with Satan. I'm going to be my own independent person. That is the deceit. You're in the story. You're either bowing to God or bowing to Satan. There is good and evil. And so now you have to discern what is good and evil. Now, God declares it, but you have to discern it. You got to settle. Your life is turning on what is good versus evil. 
In fact, I, I want to help us understand a little bit more of that. So I'm going to just go over here to the, to the living room and say, hey, to the worship team. Hey, guys. Hey, hey, hey. All right. Uh, since we are, since we're kind of capturing this together in this more quiet, intimate family environment, then I thought I'd bring them along and I want to teach you guys a little Hebrew. Okay. You ready for this? So we're going to discover with clarity today at a whole new level, good versus evil. So what is good and what is evil? And I'm going to give you the Hebrew of good. The he if I'm going to make you like everybody else, like y'all do this uh, wherever you're listening. Okay. Everybody else join in this. Okay. So good is like, you know, the word Yahweh, the Hebrew Yahweh, it's Yah. So everybody say Yah with me. Yah. Okay. So Yah, Uga, Uga. So say Yah, yeah. Uga. Okay, good is Yahweh. Okay, and then evil. Evil is Allah, Bakma. Allah, Bakma. Okay, so there's good and evil. Sometimes it's helpful to actually spell it out. So Yahuga, good versus evil, Allah, Bama. Okay, so maybe just let me put it in the English for you. Good is yay, UGA. And evil in English is Alabama. Now, for those of you listening online, you're like, I had no idea that was Hebrew. It, it's not. I, I deceived you entirely. In fact, this has absolutely no purpose other than to say go dogs. Okay? That's, that's all we're really doing. Some here even support... Um, uh, places like uh, L.A., Lower Alabama, uh, like L.S. Who? I don't even know. But you were supporting the dog, so it doesn't matter. All right, listen. This has this is totally ridiculous. This has nothing to do with anything helpful in Scripture, except to get us back to the real story. And that was fun, by the way. That was just for purely my enjoyment and all the dogs who support the win and the championship. Back to the serious conversation. There is good and evil. It has been defined. And you and I do not define good and evil. We either join good or join evil. And this is so unsettling. This is so unsettling. We think we have a voice and a vote. We're so used to being in polls and social media and having opinions. We actually think we're deciding what is good and what is evil. We're not. How things work has already been defined. You're either joining good or joining evil. And that is arresting to us. See, what's one of the most important decisions you make every day? Every week, every month, every year. The answer? Will you join good or evil? God graciously gives us the insight of his word so that we can know biblical knowledge. That's why we're in this series. It's why you bring your kids into something like the storybook Bible. You got to know the truth. You got to know what good is. And then you build on biblical knowledge with biblical values, which give you values for how you live your life. And then you make biblical decisions. You cooperate with God's good. Yes, we live in a fallen, broken world. 
We'll get to that. It's where it goes next. But know this, we are in a battle for good and evil. Now, when the woman, scripture goes on, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, pause, desirable for gaining wisdom. If you've read this story before, have you ever wondered? Because I have. Why did God put a bad tree in a good garden? I mean, if everything was good, why did he put a bad tree in a good garden? Hang on. He didn't. I'm going to suggest he didn't. It was a good tree. That's why when she looked at it, it was desirable. She, she wanted some. And that the problem is not the tree. It was the disobedience. Hey, maybe God would have let mankind eat from that tree, but just in his time. Maybe the good thing to do was just honor God and understand how things work and make a decision with your will to be in a loving, intimate, engaged relationship with the living God so that you demonstrate you trust him because the goodness of life is entrusting his good. That's what good is. It wasn't a bad tree. It was a good tree in a good garden. And the good thing to do would be obey God. See, God had good things for them. He has good things for us. I have good things for my kids. When, when my son Jaden was about nine years old, nine and a half thereabouts, we bought him a new car. Hang on, hang on, let me clarify. Actually, we bought his mom, Marsha, a new car. But the purchase of the car was to eventually be his when he turned 16. You're like, nobody thinks like that. We do. I had three kids. I've already been through used cars. I knew <laughs> the best used car is the one you bought new and you maintained the whole time. And this time, like, let's go get the right car. So we picked a Honda Accord, four-door, six-cylinder. Uh, we knew it would work well in college for him. And it was her car for almost seven years. And then when he turned 16... It became his car. No, he had to buy it from us, and he bought it really cheap. But nonetheless, it was really to save us some hassle. Now imagine this, though. Imagine we had this good thing designed for his future, and he decides at 14, well, that's my car. My car. And he decides to just pull it out of the garage. He goes, without asking, he just violates the values, just exercises his own will, Decides what good versus evil is and says, you know what? It's good for me to take the car. Doesn't have a driver's license. Doesn't know how to drive. Pulls it out of the garage. Mismanages the gas pedal and the brake pedal. And eventually has a wreck. And he's suffering and somebody else is suffering. Listen, that means he took a very good thing. And with user error, he corrupted it. And it became evil. Huh. You ever thought about that? What if the tree was good and in time, what if God would have let us eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil when we had grown up to it and it just had to be in his time, just like we would have eventually eaten from the tree of life? What if right place and right time does matter? What if, what if sexual desires are good gifts from God, but they have a right place in a right time? What if the right place is between a man and woman? 
I mean, that's what you read in Genesis 1 and 2, coming into chapter 3. Between a man and a woman in marriage is the right time and the right place. And everything else is corrupt. And man, we get offended at God. What right does the creator of the universe have to define how things work? And yet we can take a very good thing and corrupt it and then convince ourselves we are the ones who get to redefine good and evil. What, what, if, what if material things and, and money is good? It's a good gift from God. It's, it's to be used for good. But the moment you become greedy, you corrupt it and you make it evil. What if food is good? And it is. But then you turn to gluttony and you corrupt something and it becomes evil. What if God gave us free will, which he did? And it was to exercise our free will to honor him and love him and engage in a meaningful relationship with him. But you can use that same will to turn against God and you corrupt it and it becomes evil. What if you enjoy a, a, a glass of wine at dinner or you enjoy a, a, a cold beer after a hot day landscaping? But the moment you turn that to drunkenness, you take something and corrupt it and make it evil. Hmm. What if God created us for authentic relationship? But the moment you move to slander, gossip, anger, wrath, divisiveness, selfishness, you corrupt it. It turns to evil. What if work is God-ordained and good? But you work seven days a week and don't give God his due worship? Or you become lazy and live off others? And you take something good and corrupt it, and it becomes evil. See, we blow everything up when we take something good, misrepresent how it was designed to be used, not right place, not right time, not right way, and then corrupt it, and it becomes evil. That's why we need the word of God. That's why we're in this series. That's why we're encouraging families to sit down and, and, and work through this Jesus storybook Bible. Really get in God's word because you need biblical knowledge as the foundation or you won't be able to discern what is good versus evil. You can't trust your own discernment. So what'd she do? So she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Well, there you go. Sin. By the way, I, I wrote this down for myself. Maybe it's helpful for you. You might want to write this down. What is sin? Sin is trusting your view of good over God's. Jot that down. Sin is trusting your view of good over God's. Trusting your view of good over God's. Oh, get it? That's what sin is. See, when God calls something evil and you call it good, you're, that's sin. See, when you flip good and evil on God, it's sin. When you act on it, it's sin. That's what's causing our suffering. We're so deceived on good versus evil, we can't discern. And if you trust your own discernment and sensibilities when it's already corrupted by sin and original sin, well, then you're going to eat from the wrong tree. And bring suffering on yourself. And God didn't do this. We did this. It says, and then the eyes of both of them were opened. <laughs> what does that mean? I think at least it means that they could now see that they had been deceived. 
that God was telling the truth. Satan was a liar and they saw him for what he was and they realized they have now corrupted good. Shame, suffering is to follow. And God said, what have you done? Remember he came in the garden? I mean, if we had more time, I'd just read the verse, verse, but he's not in the time for a bit. But what, God said, what have you done? <laughs> he was giving them a chance to confess and repent and own it. And here's more reasons why we suffer. Let me put it up here. But maybe it'd be helpful for you. Why do we suffer? Well, I already said, because sin, evil brings suffering, but also blaming blinds you and excuses sin. That's what you need to know that, that blaming blinds you. Cause that's what they're about to do. Go blame. blaming blinds you and excuses sin, which increases sin and suffering. Look at the scripture. Look at, look at what Adam and Eve said. Then the man said to God, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. <laughs> you know, among the more dangerous things that happened after the first sin was the next sin. See, the first sin was disobedience. The next sin was blame. We're pretty good at that. It started right there <laughs> with the original mom and dad, if you will. That's where, that's where it started, but, but we're all pretty good at this. They cried victim, victim. Man, if there's any word that, that defines our culture, isn't it? I'm a victim. I'm not saying there's no place where you are authentically a victim, but by and large, what we're really saying is I have no responsibility for where I am in life. It's on everybody else. I'm freed up. And listen, when you do that, when you play blame, when you don't own responsibility, what you end up doing is excusing your sin, thereby increasing your sin because you're freed up to sin and increasing your suffering. This is an insane cycle down. So we, we can end up living in a world where we say, Oh, I, you know, my physical weight in, in life, my, 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 my physical disposition and weight is, is, is not my fault. It's McDonald's, not my decisions. You know, my financial debt issues, that's, that's the economy's fault. My marriage issues, that's all my spouse's fault. I have no choices and contribution to that. My faith issues, that's the church's fault. Not my sin, not my contribution. My suffering in life, God's fault. How can he be a good God? I can't follow a God who, hold it, hold it. Really, I mean, look at Adam. Look what he said. The woman you gave me. So it's not only blaming it on the woman, which I better leave alone, but, but blamed it on God. Like the woman you gave me. By the way, God, everything was awesome to you. You gave me her. I would never have stumbled and turned on you not for her, but then isn't that kind of on you, God? You gave her to me. So think about this. Let me put a question up here. If you want God to change your life for good in 2022, take responsibility for your choices. Come on now. Write it down. Put it in your head. Put it in your heart. If you want God to change your life for good in 2022, take responsibility for your choices. This has to turn. Well, now, of course, you can figure it out in the story. Uh, everything is broken. 
Now it's suffering. Stuff's going bad. And of course it's going to go bad. We sin. So the serpent's cursed. And I know it says he'll crawl on the ground. And what does that mean? The implication is that he either was on two feet or four feet. And now he crawls. And there's enmity. And yes, that's, that's a probably physical who hates snakes? I do. You know, maybe that all started there, but it's deeper than that. It's a, it's the beginning of a prophecy of the coming of Christ. You know, Satan will strike our heel and crush will crush his head, and it really points to Christ. And that's all cross references in the New Testament. But stuff has gone bad. Now this great gift of childbearing is going to be filled with pain. This great gift of work is, now has weeds that are going to work against you. This great life that you were going to have is now going to have disease and death. This great garden you've now lost, and so you're kicked out of the garden. All this good that God had. And here's the point. You ready? You ready? You ready? Okay. Sin, evil is wrecking your life. You want a better life, put the brakes on sin. That's the real conversation. You can't practice evil and get a good life. So, choices. What choices do you need to own and change? Let's sit in this for a bit. What choices do you need to own and change? Like, trust God's good versus your own discernment. Like, put the brakes on sin and press the gas for good. Come on, let's not skip this. Just run away and cut off. I'm done. No, let's do something with this. Trust God's good versus your own discernment. That's a really big deal. Trust God's good, not your own discernment. Josh, my eldest, is now in his 30s. He has a couple kids and a third on the way. He still likes riding motorcycle. His second, right now, Braden, is almost three years old. Braden's into motorcycles. In fact, this is adorable. I'm a grandpa. You're going to have to just endure me for a moment. This is Braden at Christmas, and he wanted a Harley Davidson jacket like Papa and like his daddy. So there's his awesome Harley Davidson jacket. Cute little kid. And I stopped by their house, oh, several weeks ago. I'm a Harley Davidson. And when I did, he came out and and, and, and he wanted to get on and near my bike. And, and my son said, Braden, stay back. Stay back from Papa's bike. Now, isn't that mean? What a mean dad. I mean, the kid loves Papa's motorcycle. He wants to get on and wants to play with it. And his dad, no. What a mean dad. Or was he? He said, son, don't go near the pipes or you'll get burned. Why did he say that? Well, when Josh was 11, guess where this is going? <laughs> when Josh was 11, I bought him a Honda 80cc dirt bike. I was teaching him how to ride. And after about a, a year of riding, he had a rule. And the rule was you always wear jeans, no shorts. Because the exhaust gets up to about 700 plus degrees. And when your skin hits that exhaust, you will lose. It's just how things work. So you lay the bike down. If you have jeans, you can get out from under it fast enough without getting burned. But if you have shorts, whoo. After about a year, Josh came to me and said, Dad, I think I'm good enough to wear shorts. <laughs> I laughed like that too. I said, son, um, this, son, this isn't an idea. This isn't an opinion. This is a rule. You don't break the rule. The rule breaks you. Son, Skin burns on 700 plus degrees. Yeah, but dad, I think I'm good enough. Really? Well, son, you do what you want. 
And he did. He put on shorts. You know where this is going, don't you? What would be the fun as a dad of telling a story? It wasn't funny in the moment, but right now, yeah. He laid that bike down after about 30 minutes. He, laid, he cooked his calf. He came running. I mean, that it, it was weeks of, of ointment and pain. Today, as a 30-something dad, he's got this beautiful scar on his calf where he cooked it. Ah, now you know why he says to his two-year-old, don't go near the pipes or you'll get burned. He's not mean. He's training up his son. He's protecting him. He's blessing him. What are you teaching your kids? About God, about life, about character, about money, about sexuality, about real wisdom, about the source of suffering and the cost. Ah, all the more reason to get into this family devotion time and pass along to your kids the wisdom of God. You see, Adam and Eve got burned and we're all getting burned. Look at what Romans says. Just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. We have all sinned. We're now born in sin and we do sin. And so you have to put the brakes on sin. I don't know what that means for you, but I decided to write a little list and just to get you thinking. What would the Holy Spirit say to you? Places you need to put the brakes on and where you need to put the gas on. You just, between you and God, need to put the brakes on overspending, overeating, sexual sins, excessive drinking, indulging your temper, envy or coveting, prayerless anxiety, worry or fear, lying, cheating, stealing, a bad habit like laziness, procrastination, selfishness, secret sins, cruising in the left lane. Oh, sorry. That's not in the Bible. That's a misquote. Can't misquote. Okay. Let's press on to gas. Press the gas pedal on worshiping God every seven days. Kindly serving your spouse instead of you first. Press the gas on pure thoughts, on honoring God with first 10% of income as an act of worship, treating others as you wish to be treated. Push the gas on keeping your word and promises, on being honest, on family devotional times, on seeking God in faithful prayer, and keeping a budget, spending less than you make. Where do you need to push the brakes? Where do you need to push the gas pedal? Hmm. And so we come to the end of the story. But before they left the garden, God made clothes for his children to cover them. He gently clothed them, and then he sent them away on a long, long journey out of the garden, out of their home. Well, in any other story, it would be all over, and that would be the end. But not in this story. God loved his children too much to let the story end there. So does God have a plan? It's a great question. It's where we pick up next week. Of course, for those of us of faith, we know that God has a plan in the long run and that he sent Jesus. Jesus is the second Adam. Adam here, the first Adam who brought sin into the world. Jesus is the second Adam who solved sin by his sacrifice. And if you don't know God through Jesus, then you'll want to seek him. Maybe this today is the beginning of you getting honest to God and serious of your faith. Maybe today you say yes to God. But I've got some encouragement. If you already know God, you don't battle sin, good and evil on your own. <laughs> Check this out. 
Check the encouragement of Philippians. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. See, the Holy Spirit, when you come into faith with God through Jesus, he indwells you and he gives you the power to stand against sin, to discern good versus evil. So we'll pick up next week. Does God have a plan? But until then, a question. What choices do you need to own and change? Wow. What question, what choices do you need to own and change? Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.